Well, well, think about things that are written. You know, like my wife is a principal, and so when she and I, and we've talked about with, with her job, she has some highly uh, intense situations sometimes, and, and she never puts anything in in an email. She always talks to people because you could put something in an email or in a text or some other means of communication, and you don't. You know, you might communicate something, and the person gets the, the entire different impression of what you're trying to convey. But when you're when you have that conversation, you, 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 if somebody is misunderstanding, or you can see that they're taken aback by what you say, you can say, "Oh, well, wait a second, I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying." So that's the beauty of communication: is it, it, when you're communicating face to face, or even in this format, at least I can see you, Andy, and say. No, Andy didn't really get what I just said, so I better reiterate what it really means. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Jim Duffy. Jim is the president of the Litigation Connection, and he's an expert on cold calling. And that's his business, I'm making cold calls and setting up meetings with busy lawyers, busy litigators for his clients. And cold calling is the topic of our conversation today, effective cold calling. Effective defined by converting more of your initial conversations into meetings. As Jim shares, he has developed a methodology for preparing and executing cold calls that he uses day in and day out. And as you'll hear, when he talks to the target person, he converts 60% of his calls into meetings for his clients, 60%. So we dig into Jim's method. It's, it's not rocket science. It's just smart, intentional, hard work about how, I, how to identify and target the right people to call, how to research the person you're going to talk with. And by research, as you'll hear, I don't mean spending 30 seconds scanning their LinkedIn profile in the vague hope that maybe you went to the same high school. And then talk about how all that feeds into delivering an incredibly relevant, targeted message of value to the person you're calling. We also dive into why Jim believes the outbound cadences that stress making multiple contacts over a compressed period of time, like you know, seven contacts in seven days, so on, are hugely ineffective, if not actually counterproductive. So we get into all of that and much, much more. But before we get to Jim, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for your help with that. All right, let's jump into it. Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, Andy. Nice to be with you. Well, pleasure to have you here. So um, tell us about you and what you do. Okay. So I have a company called The Litigation Connection, and my clients are forensic accountants business valuation experts and economists, and their clients are uh, litigation attorneys. So what I do is I identify attorneys that have practices that precisely align with what my clients do. So let me just give you a quick example, if I could, uh, Andy. So you do outsource cold calling or business development for your that, clients. That's is what correct. You're doing. So I, I make cold right. calling. So thank you for uh, pointing that out. Uh, so I will call on a particular attorney that has a particular skill set. So, for example, uh, I have an expert that uh, does damages as it relates to intellectual property in the music business. So, mm-hmm. what we'll what I'll do is I'll use Sales Navigator to find every attorney in that person's addressable market that does 
that does litigation as it re relates to intellectual property in the music business. So I, when I make a cold call, I also use an outsourced uh, uh, group that pulls all of the, the profiles of these attorneys uh, in that particular um, persona, let's say. And that yeah. essentially what I'm doing is using their biography as a means to drive conversations. But I'm all... I'll get into this in a minute, but I also use a, a high-speed phone uh, system in order sure. to drive more conversations. But a dialer. I will, I will call that uh, attorney and I'll say, hi, my name is Jim Duffy. I see that you uh, worked on the Guns N' Roses case uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I work with, and let's make you the, the forensic accountant. I work with Andy Paul, who's uh, one of the foreknown experts as it relates to intellectual property in the music business. Uh, and, and right at that point, uh, I, I really have changed the game because, and that, that sounds so simple, but what I'm doing is I'm talking about that person, typically as it relates back to what my client does, and usually it's something that has been something very prominent about their career. So in essence, I'm talking, I'm singing to the choir when I, when I make that cold call. And when you typically have right. people that receive a cold call, they're immediately going into, you know, flight, fight, Defense. flight. So when <laughs> you talk about them, it, I create a visceral connection, which in essence gives me that that right to talk to them a little bit more. And uh, that's that that, that, well, that process has been iterated over over seven years. Okay, well let's let's. I'm going to take a step back a little bit. <clears throat> so. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason that I wanted to have you on the show is, is you've developed the system that you use in your own business that uh, generates you know more meetings per call, if you will, as a ratio uh, than certainly what most most cold callers are doing. Where you know, hey, they may be happy to get two meetings set out of fifty phone calls or five meetings set out of fifty phone calls. And which is fairly typical in the software world where you're saying, hey, you get a much higher ratio than that. Yeah. And what I would say is, is I would go so far as to say that the system itself generates 3x of what you would normally do. So I'm not saying in the IT infrastructure services or the IT world that they're going to have the same results as, as I am because the market is different. So that universe of people that you're calling on could be entirely different. Now, I work sure. with litigation attorneys that many times they have direct phone numbers. So that that helps with the process as well. So, but, but given the, what I do, essentially what I'm trying to develop is a live conversation. And what I would say is one of the misnomers, and I hear it all the time, people saying, the hardest part about sales is getting no's. And I would contend that that's completely wrong. I think it's that they never mm -hmm. talk to anybody. So, so the perception is that you're failing because you never talk to anybody. So just imagine that you're in a batting cage and you put your quarters into the batting cage and you get up to bat and no balls come at you. That's cold mm -hmm. calling, old style. But what I've done is I've put it on steroids. So instead of getting five conversations in a day, I'm getting 25 conversations in a day. 
But mm-hmm. given that, now now think about that. You're getting all these conversations. Once you talk to somebody, you better have something to say or at least have something that connects to them. So I have a I call on very, very tight personas. So I'll call on, you know, 50 intellectual property attorneys focused on the business in that in that vertical. And really, it's almost like a roulette wheel from the standpoint of who's going to answer the phone. And once they do answer the phone, I'm using my offshore people to to create talking points that relate back to what my client does. So I can't sound like I'm I'm selling windows. I've got to be, you know, I got to have some level of gravitas and a little bit of uh, understanding of their business as well. Yeah. Well, well, let's. So we've got a lot of individual contributors listening to the show. So I you know, want to make this real to them because not everybody has you know a third party resource they can use to enrich the sort of unstructured data. But I want I want to take it through. I think for me, what you talk about and what we'll explain here today is is for me the real lesson is that uh, more is not better. In fact, that it's opposite. Better doing better always precedes doing more, right? Um, you know that you put in place a process that yields better results, and once you get those better results, then you can say, okay, well, how can I scale this? Whereas the inverse is oftentimes the process that's used in sales, which is, oh, we're going to do something. Oh, I got two people out of fifty to respond. Great, let's hire ten more people to do just that same thing, as opposed to saying, well, let's figure out how to get. As you said, let's figure out how to get 10 people out of 50 to respond. And let's, let's master that and do better at that before we start doing more. Sure. Yeah. And what I, what I would also say is, you know, when you say these individual contributors, in my company, there's me. And there's my admin. So for as little <laughs> as 50 cents per profile, I have somebody create profiles for me. So for 1,000 profiles... It doesn't cost you a, lot, a heck of a lot of money to, you know, five hundred dollars oh. to create an addressable market, and you've got all of the relevant data as it relates back to what the client does. So, my whole business, what I, you know, I've always throughout my career, I've always been like in the top one percent in terms of cold calling, and so I actually had an anthropologist study, you know, what is it that you do that that creates that connection. And, and it's always finding those very, those nuggets about a person that creates mm-hmm. the emotional connection. And, um, and so what I've done is I've just taken what I've, I've been doing my whole life and continually making little incremental improvements to the point where, you know, I'm getting 60 meetings a month for, for uh, yeah. my clients. And people are like, how the hell are you doing that? And over the course of seven years, I've had Grant Thornton as a client. So most cold calling companies, they do projects and then they're done. I haven't mm-hmm. had a, a month in my career here in my business where I haven't done business with Grant Thornton. And I have BDO as a yeah. client. So I've got some fairly big clients that have a lot of individual contributors also that I'm helping them to get in front of precisely the right people. But your individual contributors can do the same thing I can do and do it for a very modest cost as well. 
Yeah, well, let's let's dump, jump into it. So you you divide what you do into sort of three parts: targeting, research, and then the actual call itself. So targeting, you know, is such an interesting thing because the instinct of most sellers is to say is to sort of resist as fine a target as they need to create. You know, they want to sort of hedge their bets by keeping, you know, I want to call a relatively big group of names. Whereas you go sort of the opposite way and say, no, you got to, you got to really break it down. Yes. I, I spend an inordinate amount of time developing the addressable market. And part of it, what I'll also do with my clients is I'll say, give me 25 of your best, best clients, not the ones that are the perfect ideal customers and then, then what I'll do is I'll take that same process that I use to build those those profiles of mine, and I'll take those twenty five and reverse engineer it and look at look at the common denominators in terms of, you know, why is this an ideal client, and what are some of those common denominators, and that becomes mm-hmm. a way for for me to get a better understanding of of serving up essentially the ideal client so that they're not wasting their cycles with, with people that really don't matter. And my whole contention is, is that I'm here to serve them and make sure that, that I'm helping them to grow their business. So, you know, I've had many times, probably every month, I have at least four or five meetings that I, I get to the point where I, I'm scheduling the meeting and then in the conversation, I, I ascertain that that person really doesn't utilize the forensic mm-hmm. accountant to the degree that, and, I, and I'll stop and I'll say, you know, with all due respect, I know that it's nice to go to lunch, but I want to make sure it's valuable for both of you. It doesn't sound like this is a fit. Right. So, you know, so I'm really, really finicky about making sure that that's, that, that's a valuable meeting for both sides of the, the equation. And that makes a big difference. Well, to me. and you, but you hone it down. I think is is one of the things that yeah, I wanted to chat about. Is you know, you, you've talked about before about you create a sub persona beneath the persona within the ICP, uh, and you gave sort of example earlier. It's like it's not, you know, you're not. Yeah. So uh, you're not talking to lawyers. Not looking for lawyers who have intellectual property practices. You want lawyers who have intellectual property practices in the music industry specific, right? Uh, right. Specifically. Right. And that extra level of detail, yes, it sort of narrows the scope, perhaps, of who you can call on, which may be fear-inducing in sellers, but the point you make is you become expert in this. Yeah. And and as you do your research and so on, you develop this expertise that you can speak to them at a better level. Absolutely. The research itself, now, I I outsource a lot of the research, but the research itself has made me a better salesperson because... You know, many times when I'm talking to these attorneys, they're like, well, well you're an attorney, aren't you? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Uh, but I've read 100,000 attorney profiles. And so just by by the sheer volume of all those profiles, I've, I've learned a lot about what they do. Mm-hmm. And so consequently, I can take all of those dots and connect those dots much more effectively because I understand it also. So... Let me, let me just give you one more example, just so that everybody on the podcast can understand that. So another example would be, you know, I'm working with a white-collar crime uh, forensic accountant. 
So I get on the call with with the same kind of the same start out where I talk talk to this attorney. And I'll say, you know, um, Pat, I see that 25 year, years ago, when you were at the DOJ, you were second chair on the John Gotti trial. I work with Dan mm-hmm. Broadhurst, who's one of the top forensic accountants focused on white collar crime. He's been deposed by the the DOJ, the top two people at the DOJ, uh, and, and he's he's really got the right stuff in terms of being on the stand, almost bulletproof. He'd love the opportunity to meet you. So again, I'm not saying that everybody can get that to that level of granularity, but what I, what I think is very important is to make sure that there's a match. And if there's a match, now all of a sudden, everything goes a lot faster, smoother. And yes, it takes a lot of work on the front side but that's the magic, and it really isn't magic. It's it's just hard work to to figure out and right. and look at these things and spend the time to make sure that they're right. Right. So what you're doing? So we're moving now into your research phase. So you've targeted. You've gotten a very specific you know sub persona. You say within the persona is is you've mentioned several times that you. Yeah, obviously there's structured data, and we can you know use Zoom Info or whomever to get phone numbers and email addresses and the like. But you said the real value is in the unstructured data, meaning what you can learn about this person. And so you talked about you use actually use a, a resource overseas that you said you pay how much per profile? Fifty cents. Fifty cents. And, and, so, and they segregate the, what do you, the information the way I want them to. And, and well, so tell us how you do that. What's the, what are you looking for? And what is this unstructured data that you're finding? Okay. Well, I'm going to open up the the kimono, so to speak. What I'll do is I'll, I'll drill down in LinkedIn sales navigator and use a, is, is a a sophisticated Boolean search as I can in in LinkedIn sales navigator. And that's kind of my starting point. Mm -hmm. And then I'll ship that, that, that Boolean, that, that, URL of that search over to my person in India, and he will then go to the websites of those attorneys and pull all of their unstructured and structured information. So the structured stuff is important, but the unstructured is what allows me to develop those, those talking points that are not just, you know, contrived talking points they're, they are contrived right. in a way but but they're 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 relevant you know so i'm not just saying oh i see you went to notre dame my guy went to notre dame that's good that's great that's nice sure but but a guy who went to notre dame isn't gonna see somebody just because he went to notre dame although maybe maybe it's a notre damer so maybe he would do that yeah i yeah, don't yeah, know that's right so but but what i'm trying to look at is is how does this move the business case along how does this make sense and, and if you can take highly relevant information, it creates that visceral connection. So what are you instructing them to look for? Well, I'll, I'll use keywords. So, so okay. in that case with the, the John Gotti case, I'll say, we're going to look at any attorney that has white-collar crime, that has embezzlement, that has, um, um, you know, like... I set up a meeting with the guy who prosecuted Bernie Madoff that went into private practice. So I, I look, mm-hmm. you know, look at different keywords, and then we take those keywords 
and we'll look at the left of that phrase, left of that keyword, and the right of that keyword, and pull those phrases mm -hmm. together. And, right. and that creates this phrase that really is the phrase that matters, because it really tells about what they do vis-a-vis -vis what my client does. And, and so I'll, I'll have them essentially highlight and, and annotate that information so that it goes in all caps because, you know, again, I'm using it in a CRM, so you can't use annotate. Well, maybe you can. I, I talked to John Ferraro, who I think you've interviewed before. Yeah, yeah. I, I've used uh, uh, Nimble many years. Uh, I still use Nimble as a repository, and it helps with uh, data segregation, but... but most of the CRMs don't have any type of a way to annotate the, the that information, but I think that's the next step is to to take a CRM and then have the ability to annotate information so that you can con continually make improvements. So what I do mm -hmm. with with phone burner, for example, uh, every you know your, I'll make hundred calls in a day, but I I don't talk to most of them, but every single one. I'm building the story as I go along. I'm looking at, as the phone's ringing, I'm looking at the notes I already have. Hey, he, he, he was second chair in the John Gotti trial. And then I'm looking at all these other points, and then I'm scraping that also and putting it in as a tag. So it's, it's almost like a story of all these different, disparate pieces of information. And the person who's making the, the phone call has to have the ability to take those disparate points and put it into a sentence, you know, right. and when you put those disparate points into a sentence, it's like, man, this guy really did his research. And to a certain yeah. extent, I have, but I, but it's really getting very um, good at processing information and then taking those data points and connecting them. Does that make sense? I don't know. Oh, it does. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking in terms of, okay, if you're a, an AE or an SDR and you're making prospecting calls or, you know, it's part of your responsibility to make, develop your own pipeline, let's say as an AE, um, you know, let's say you work for a random SaaS company is just thinking, okay, well, how, how do they go about Okay, so, yeah, so let, 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 let me give you an example there. So, and this is what I would say. Sure. You know, um, yeah. the last company I worked for, there was a lot of process. So I'd look at at, at keywords like um, uh, Six Sigma Lean, and I, and then I, then I'd look at their their profile or what they've written about themselves. Did a Six Sigma Lean project that saved the company X amount based on doing this particular project? Well, that would be something that I would open up with. And say mm -hmm. this is, and start the conversation with them. They're the story. They're the hero. Right. So, so the story is not me being, hey, I'm a great cold caller or anything like that. That's BS. You know that's BS. The whole thing is is really getting to the heart of what is important to the, those particular people. And and if if what you're saying is not only relevant, but you can you've mastered understanding what their needs are and you put that in that sentence. Now all of a sudden they're like, this guy really gets me. Mm -hmm. It takes the effort though. You got to do the research. You got to redo the reading. You got to 
uh, yeah, no, I mean, you're having yeah. people help you. And you got to be a critical thinker, too. Right. So if you're not a critical yeah, thinker, right. you can't do this. You'll just sound really kind of disjointed. Scripted. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying this is something that would work for every person, but if you were to look at, and I, I've hired people that are like actors, and they're great because they, they, can, they can actually take and, and kind of take information and, and process it properly. And, and they might be better than, than this person who's the crazy cold caller, you know, uh, because they, they can think critically and they can remain calm. Right. You know, I think that right. one of the things that drove me crazy, you know, I'm in your camp with some of the managers I had, particularly the latter part of my career, they're like, you got to bring a lot of high energy. You got, you got to do this. And I had a guy that I worked with that, that made club almost every year, but he was one of the most calm guys, serene guys, and did a great job. Mm -hmm. Well, this manager wanted to turn him into a Alec hawkish Baldwin. fellow. And, and I was yeah. like, this Dwarf is so Wall silly. It's so silly, you know? And, and really, there's it takes all different types to be successful. And and I'm not saying that somebody who's high energy is can't be successful, but I, I think that the person that's receiving a call or talking to somebody doesn't want to speak to the fast talker or, or the one that seems like the diamond gym. They want to talk to somebody who's genuine and, and um, having a, a calm demeanor and having a very a good conversation about what, what the situation is all about. And, and if you can sit down and, and put two minds together and have a, have a relevant conversation, I think that's the, the most important part. Yeah. Well, uh, to your point, it's, yeah, the, the fast talker, I mean, that's people's defenses get raised instantly, right? I mean, yeah. they feel that sort of des desperation, you know, your defenses go up. And sure, there are probably people with those personality types that have done well. To the story that you talked about, I, I told the story on the show before, is you know, one of the better salespeople I've ever worked with. Uh, that was part of a, a team I was running. Pathologically shy. I mean, introversion didn't go far enough to talk describe him. Right. But on the phone, he knew what he was talking about. He knew the customers and their what they were going through. Uh, understood the product. Uh, he was incredibly relevant anytime he opened his mouth. Sure. And that's what people wanted. Absolutely. So, so, you know, your book talks about connection and understanding. And um, yep. that's really what, what, what the buyer is looking for. They're, they're not looking for, they're, not look, they're certainly not looking to be sold. Well, yeah, they don't need you to be salesy, right? No, no, not at all. No. As I write about the book, it's the one question the buyer will never ask you. Jeez, <laughs> Andy. Could you be more salesy? <laughs> That's exactly what I want. I want you to be more salesy. Um, now, another thing you, you talk about is, because a lot of, of the way cold calling is taking place these days is, is cadences are laid out, prescribe very, you know, and automate touch points and callbacks and so on within very 
tight time frames. You know, it's not unusual to say, oh, we're trying to make seven contacts within seven days or seven contacts within 14 days or whatever. You don't do that. I mean, you wait, I don't know, I think I read somewhere or heard you say you know, 30 to 45 days. If you don't, something doesn't pick up, you you don't I just don't call right any phone, phone. I don't leave any phone messages. I don't email anybody. I don't do any of that. So the first time they talk to me is the first time. And they really don't, you know, I'm, I'm almost like using a stealth approach rather than, than this kind of spammy type approach where once they talk to me for the first time, I get to make my first impression. And because we've done the research and because this person is precisely the right person vis-a-vis mm-hmm. my client, they're like, that's a different type of conversation than they're used to. They're used to somebody who, who will try to sell them on whatever this person does in a very generic way. And, and um, so, uh, you know, when I can get, and, and it's not always like this, but sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll get anywhere from six to seven out of ten live conversations as, as, as meetings. Right. There's absolutely no reason for me to use any other. Well, I shouldn't say that. There probably is some reasons to, to use digital marketing and some of these other <laughs> things, but it hasn't worked for me. I'm sure so, accomplished something. Pardon me? Well, I'm sure somebody would come up with something. But I, I, the key point you brought up, which I think is really interesting for people to think about, is you know you, you said you don't leave voicemails, you don't you don't send email when you don't get hold of people because you know that the best impression you can create on someone is through this phone call, right? So you are going to create impression with a voicemail. You are going to create an impression with an email. Yeah, why not leave it for the best one? I agree. You know, to, to me, if your percentages are right, you, I would only devalue my, my percentages by, by using other methodologies. At least that's my, yeah. my hunch on that. And, and really, you know, when you, you think about email and you think about all these other means of, of communication, you and I are talking together. We're, we're, we're conversing. Email, it's just, you know, just get it and put it in. You know, how many emails do you get a day that you don't even read? You know, so. Hundreds. So when I get somebody live, I I have a conversation with them. So, you know, I I think that's just the best way to do it. Yeah. Well, if you've got this highly targeted audience that you're reaching out, highly researched, uh, you've been doing it, you know, you've got some repetition, you really have some domain expertise you're developing, it just makes it easier. And, and to your point about you know, not leaving voicemail, I know there's a lot of you know, noise on both sides of the aisle about that and so on. But, but as you said, and which I, I'm a huge believer in, is the power of first impressions is you only have one chance to make a good first impression. So if you're you have this ability to have a really good conversation on the phone. Yeah. Do you ruin that impression you could be make by leaving a voicemail? Because voicemails, no matter how good they are, never really, for me at least, you know, rarely inspire me to do anything. And uh, same thing with an email. Well, 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 think about things that are written. You know, like my wife is a principal. And so when she, and, I, and we've talked about with, with her job, 
she has some highly uh, intense situations sometimes, and, and she never sure. puts anything in, in an email. She always talks to people because you could put something in an email or in a text or some other means of communication, and you don't, you know, you might communicate something, and the person gets the, the entire different impression of what you're trying to convey. But when you're when you have that conversation, you, you, you if somebody is misunderstanding or you can see that they're taken aback by what you say, you can say, "Oh, well, wait a second, I want to make sure yeah. you understand what I'm saying." So yeah. that's the beauty of communication is it, it, when you're communicating face to face or even in this format, at least I can see you, Andy, and say, "You know, Andy didn't really get what I just said, so I better." reiterate what it really means that's just the that's just the look on my face yeah uh <laughs> just are clueless um, <laughs> all right <laughs> jim well thank you so much for joining me if people want to learn more about your methodology here and i urge people to check it out what's the best way to, to learn more well the best way you know I, i'm reworking my website so best way to find me is is jim duffy of the litigation connection uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Twitter as Social Seller One. Um, I'll have my website up probably in the next week or so, uh, and it'll be www.litigationconnection.com. And then lastly, my phone number is 708 629 9333. That's an American phone number. So, and it's my cell phone, so you can call me directly. Oh, okay. All right. We may do that. So, Jim, thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thanks again. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank our guest, Jim Duffy, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could also leave us a rating or a review, let us know how we're doing, well, we'd certainly appreciate that. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Bye.